Hey, this is Lee. I really hope you've been enjoying the Business of Marketing podcast. It's from marketers and for marketers, and my intention is to bring you value, experiences, and insights that you can use. Also, if your company would like to have their own podcast, I would love to help. The team at Content Monster specializes in B2B podcasts. So if we can help, contact me at contentmonster.com. That's contentmonster, M-O-N-S-T-A.com. Enjoy the podcast. You're listening to the Business of Marketing Podcast where we have conversations with some of the most influential and thought-provoking minds in marketing, sales, and business. And here's your host, A. Lee Judge. Welcome again to the Business of Marketing. I'm A. Lee Judge. My guest today is a strategist, speaker, author, and educator. A chief strategist at Brand Driven Digital, he spent his career building standout brands and organizations of all sizes, from small businesses to Fortune 500 companies to President Obama's Jobs Council. He's a profound author and sought-after keynote speaker at conferences and corporate events throughout the world. So, welcome to the podcast, Nick Westergaard. Hi, Nick. Hi, Lee. Glad to be here. Hey, thanks for taking time out of your, t- your, your day to join us. I look forward to learning about brand and sharing your insights with, uh, with our listeners. Um, before we jump in, if you'd like, briefly tell us a bit more about yourself and your background. Well, you mentioned uh, the, the all the plates that I have spinning. I'm a strategist. I have a, a branding and digital marketing consultancy called Brand Driven Digital. Uh, I also uh, speak at conferences and corporate events. I'm the author of two books on branding and digital marketing once again. And I teach at the University of Iowa's Tippie College of Business. So, uh, you know, I always joke that if I was a smarter person, I would probably pick one of those things and focus (laughs) solely on that and scale the bejesus out of it. But I like doing, as you can see, it's mostly branding, digital communication related, but uh, I, I like doing that a lot of different ways. I think all talented people have that struggle at some point to figure out, okay, I, I can do all these things. Which ones do I do? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, Nick, I'm going to start off with a, with a softball question, an easy one, I think, mainly because you've just recently written about, about this. Um, so, speaking of brands, you recently wrote an article addressing what you think are uh, two questions to ask about your brand. And, spoiler alert, the two questions are, where are you now and where do you want to be? So starting with where are you now, you present three guideposts. How about sharing with us what these three are and how we can apply them to our brand? Well, these are, are three of my, of my favorite questions that I look to. And, and to back up just a little bit, the, um, you know, in thinking about all of this overall, in thinking about, especially when I, when I wrote this, uh, there was a, a new year on, on the horizon. And that's when we think of doing things better than better than we currently are. So I think that in thinking about mapping that journey, which another spoiler alert, I use journey metaphors uh, a, a lot of the time and, and speak of, of mapping. And it, it's really about getting from point A to point B. And if you look at the, at, at the world of work, at the world of business, there are these types of journeys all around us. So it's really about 
getting from point A to point B. And when it comes to your brand, the two questions are, where are you now and where do you want to be? And in assessing the where are you now, because when it comes to brand, which I thought you were going to say a softball question, uh, what is a brand? Because I've learned (laughs) from nearly 400 episodes of, of a podcast on branding that there are a whole lot of different definitions out there. Branding's tricky to get your arms around. So if you ask that question, that seemingly simple question of where are you now, it's good to provide some some guideposts uh, mm-hmm. along the way. So what I ask folks to consider in evaluating the where are you now is the what's your brand spark? What's one thing most employees and customers would say about your brand? And then third, Uh, Is your brand on the right track? So to back up, that brand spark is looking at what's the one thing that lights your brand's fire. Too often, we get into the public-facing words that surround our brand, and there's just as many names of those as well, slogans, taglines, mission statements. But I think of a brand spark as something much more elementary, much more basic. It is why you exist as a brand and thinking about what you do and for whom. And I always caution folks to think beyond what whatever uh, box you check on, on, on your tax and organizing documents, but rather think about what you provide emotionally to those that you serve. Uh, Are you in the business of service, of the business of helping people? So think about that brand spark. Uh, What's one thing that employees and customers, your people, would say about your brand, would agree on about your brand? And then looking at this, is that on the right track? Is that where you want to be? You might find, you know, it's 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 pretty close. It's within within 10% of where I want to be. Or you might realize this is way off. We need to do something different. So that's what uh that's that's where the second question of where do you want to be comes in as well. Mm-hmm. So looking at if you've got a gap, how you can start to close that. Okay. And there are there three pillars within the where do you want to be as well? Ah, there are three pillars. They're similar, but they are annoyingly slightly different. <laughs> uh, so, and, and we're going to switch the, uh, the, the order around just a little bit. So with where are you now uh, or where do you want to mm-hmm. be? Uh, what's one thing people would say about your brand a year from now? So think about that one thing that they're already saying today. Now, if that's off or if that's not where you want to be, thinking about what that one word of consensus between your employees and your customers is a year from now. And then in looking at that word and the current word, think about what changed to make this possible. Mm. And that is where you start to get some real directionality on on what it is that's going to lead you in this direction and where you need to spend some of your time and effort as well. And then the the final question here is is a bit of a softball and a retread of the of the first question or the first framework guidepost. And that is, is your brand on the right track? 
now? So ideally, that would be yes, but you might, uh, if, if you're being honest, if there was a great deal of distance to cover, maybe you realize we can be closer to where we want to be. We've got this challenge fixed, but now it's on to the bigger one. So helping you to, again, get that idea directionally of where you want to go as a brand. Well, let me ask you this. You know, we've experienced small companies that manage to have huge brands. And we also know of large companies or organizations that, despite their size or their history, still struggle to benefit from, quote-unquote, brand. So this, this, to me, takes money out of the equation. Evidently, small or large, they, they all some have large brands for small companies and small brands for big companies. So for an organization that blames budget on their lack of brand, what do you say to that? Uh, well, you know, in, in my experience, it's interesting because uh, my my first book prior to Brand Now was was Get Scrappy, uh, and the subtitle I bring it up is because it is smarter digital marketing for businesses big and small. Because as I've already confessed, I, I have not specialized in only small businesses and startups, only Fortune five hundred companies. I, I have fun working with everyone. And as much as this sounds a little bit hippy-dippy, I think that there's more that unites us in what we're doing as marketers than divides us. Um, I think that there's the B2C, B2B push-pull struggle, uh, which also don't think is quite as big. It's just a, a little bit different. Uh, but when it comes to big and small, I'm reminded of a story from when I was working with the folks at Schwinn, the bicycle company. And it's a classic American brand. And it might be easy to think, oh, you know, my parents rode Schwinn's, my kids ride a Schwinn, I ride a Schwinn. It's got to just be a huge marketing team. But their marketing team is, is only a handful of people. They, they fit in a small conference room. And when I was talking in that small conference room uh, in, in their HQ in, in suburban Madison, Wisconsin, Samantha Herschel, their digital marketing manager, was, was listening to me, and we were talking about this idea of scrappiness. And she said, you know, that's so true, because we could all use a few people and a few dollars more. So that's why I always point to what, what Sam said there, because that's a much better uh, definition of, of these challenges, because I, I can't think of anybody that has all of the people they need, that has all the budget that they want. And then on the other side of that is uh, I've talked with many big organizations that it's sort of like, you know, getting a dinosaur to maneuver. It's so big, you know, it's easy, especially when you're a small business that's operating from that scarcity mindset to think, oh, they're huge. They've got everything. And they may have more resources than you do, but they also have more organizational weight, more infrastructure, more maneuvering, maybe more budget constraints or certainly different budget constraints. So all of this is to say I get I, I, I start to uh, make 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 noises and scooch back if, if someone makes it all about budget, because I think that brand can be a scrappy pursuit, especially if practiced the right way. Now, when I say the right way, 
it's not just grafting some sort of message of what you want to be over over who you are as as a brand. Uh, There's a great story uh, that I I just sent out in my email newsletter uh, that was the story of uh, a cleaning company called uh, ABM. They were a 112-year-old business-to-business cleaning company. And in looking at, at the climate that we find ourselves in with a global pandemic, there's certainly a changed environment among their customers. Our workplace is different, but we also have even more attention, a heightened awareness of cleanliness in in the workplace. So they wisely realized, you know, this, this is a change in the environment that we find ourselves in as a brand. We need to do something. Now, a lot of folks, especially when you have a, a marketing focus here, I'm a marketer, I love marketers, talk to marketers all the time, but brand can't start and stop within the marketing department. It has to be bigger than that. And what's great about ABM is that instead of just grafting some sort of surface level message on of we get it, we care, not that there's anything wrong with those words, but if you're only doing that. So what they did instead was they took their entire business apart down to the studs and rebuilt their services and how they offered them. And of course, eventually, there was a customer-facing, message-focused overlay to that. But it came because they reworked everything under the surface so that what they were living was different. So it wasn't just what they're saying is different, but who they are and how they send that out into the world had changed also. So was that change evident to their to their client base or to their potential prospects? Did they change their brand? They did, but it really it was very subtle. And I think that's the other thing with the other approach. We go for big things that we can see, and a lot of times, uh, you know, it's it's sort of like a, you know movie special effects, or a, I always think of of like a, a Hollywood movie where there's something a facade that looks like a street. Uh, and then it's it's just there's nothing behind it. There's there's not a building there. It's just standing up. And I think we do that with our brands more than we should. We need to you know if to switch from my my beloved mapping and journey metaphors to home building. It's it's not a coat of paint. It's not new siding, new shingles. It's it's the foundation. We have to. More of us need to do the hard work uh, that that ABM did and uh, and take that apart. So, thinking about brands and different types of brands, um, there's the business brands we've just been speaking of, and there's also personal brand. So, right. let's talk about business brand versus personal brand. Um, Neil Patel, you know who Neil Patel is, a very successful and well known marketer. He said once that he regretted placing his personal brand out front rather than his rather than his business brand. Um, and you and I both have websites for both our companies and for our own websites for our own personal brand. Yeah. So have you ever struggled to decide which is the most important and which should come first <laughs> out front? Yeah. Um, you know, it's really interesting because as, you know, like uh, many people with a, a small marketing business, I started out as a personal brand. 
And then as that grew, uh, it became a formal business brand and brand driven digital. And then from that success, when I found myself is uh, in in able to speak more and and to write books and doing more, there became that need, as you've mentioned, to 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 have this personal brand for myself. And through the years, they've been they've been kind of going in tandem. One one gets a little more, one gets That's a little better. Yeah. But because I've, I, I've experienced I, the same thing. It's like for a few months or years, the personal brand leaves the company. Then the company leaves the personal brand. I, I guess it's not always just the one or the other. Maybe if you do it right, I don't know if you do it wrong, but that's what happens, right? You go back and forth sometimes. Yeah, and and it's interesting because uh, and and even like the size and scope of the the sites have changed. Our consulting site, I really think of as a B two B. Uh, business site. And when it comes to our thought leadership, uh, you know, that used to live on the brand driven site. But as as I've grown my own personal brand and, you know, we used to have other people uh, contributing to our content and and I'm the, the sole author, the sole podcast host. So over the past a uh, couple of years, we've moved all of that thought leadership over to to my personal brand uh, as well. So everything that is 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 me starts and stops at at nickwestergaard.com. The consulting business has its its kind of uh, its its kind of uh, side piece of that as well. Hmm. It's almost like one one day your business is a side hustle, next day you're the side hustle for the business. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It it it's you know there's it, it, but I, you know, I used to think there was a right and wrong answer, and you know, you'd think, oh boy, I'm not doing this right. But I think it's exactly like you said, and it sounds like you've observed something similar. Also, it's it's really kind of just like progress bars and things going going uh, back and forth as as needed by by the different models. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to know which day, uh, which one's a horse, which one's the cart, in terms of the brand, the company, exactly. and your own personal yeah. brand. Um, <laughs> yeah, sometimes, you know, it's almost like, um, some may see it as a, as a branding hack. Like, if, if one leads, if one gets the attention, then that's the day you let it be the horse and lead things. Um, like, if yeah. you're speaking... For example, if you're hired as as Nick to go speak somewhere, maybe that day, that's the horse. That's what's leading the company. Um, and then if the company gets some press news, then it reverses, I guess, for that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So considering that maybe a hack, um, everybody loves shortcuts. And <laughs> there must be some shortcuts in branding. So are there any branding hacks? And if so, do they even stick, in your opinion? Um, you know, I, I think especially it could seem to folks listening after I, I gave the, the kind of sermon there that was all about uh, the cleaning company and doing it the right way and doing the hard work, even though it takes longer, it's not as easy as the fresh coat of paint stuff. Uh, and a hack is, you know, is, is, is that shortcut. So do these not go together? Is, is Nick not a fan of hacks? And I'm I'm a huge fan of of hacks because um, I think 
you know, a, a shortcut that doesn't get you anywhere was just short if you don't end up at the right destination. So I, I think any hack has to be focused on, on knowing where you're going, knowing where you're headed as well. And I, I do think that sometimes we end up chasing our tails and, and making things complex. I'm, I'm a big fan of simple. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of a common theme across my approaches to branding and marketing, to personal communication. I think, especially in this day and age, we get overwhelmed. So I think simple is good. We could get really meta with that and say that simple is a hack. Because one, it, if you're simplifying, theoretically, it's something easier to do. Now, the brain power that goes into what you should simplify and how could be a little bit challenging, but our customers are, are overwhelmed. The, there's crazy stats out there on that. The internet basically doubles itself every couple of days. Wow. You know, there is a war on for everyone's attention. And I think that as great as all of all of these tools are that we have with social networks, content, smartphones, you know, we are sending people information all the time. And we've reached a point now where there's so much stuff and there we've really kind of hit a, a I don't want to say flatline, because of course the population's growing, but not as fast as the content produced is growing. So to read between the lines there, it means most of what we spend all of our time creating isn't finding its home. So uh, what I think is a much better hack, even though some might say that's a fake shortcut, um, is that I think it's much better when it comes to what your brand is putting out there. If you can find focus, I think it's much better to create one thing really well than it is to create five things because you feel like you need to create five things because the other, the other cleaning companies, the other uh, office supply businesses are all doing that too. So by God, we'd better have a, a video series and a podcast mm-hmm. and blog content and Facebook. And no, oh, they're doing something on TikTok. So have someone investigate <laughs> what we could be doing on TikTok. So you, since you talk about brand, let's talk about, I mean, about content rather. Let's talk about the content relationship yeah. to brand and, and content's role in building brand. Um, and we can kind of wrap up on this too. I want to ask you, you know, some of the ways that startups and individuals go about building their brands um, for smaller companies and startups, you know, social media like LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, seem to be a good starting point. But like our friend Joe Polizzi says, don't build on rented land. Um, and he's typically referring to content, but some organizations, I think, build their whole brand on rented land. So, when a brand doesn't have much of a platform for themselves, um, what are some of the things that you should consider while building a brand on rented land? Well, I, I do think that that approach makes sense because, you know, the, the rented land, the changes in algorithms, the changes in global access that are getting floated out there with, with Facebook and Instagram and uh, the meta companies in, in Europe. Uh, it it really is is timely and and drives that home. I think that's a part of it. Uh, you know, while we're uh, doing 
smart person appreciation. Uh, I love uh, I love a lot of the stuff Joe says, and and also uh, Jay Bear because I, I love the idea that content is fire and social media is the gasoline. And I I, I love that relationship because I it feels it feels on target. But I also think you know how useful is that gas can in keeping yourself warm uh, without the fire. And I think that it's easy to boop, 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 create an account on, on TikTok. You know, my kids hassled me at dinner uh, one night, so I did it. I did it while uh, after I finished my dinner plate without getting up right there, but I, I haven't done much with it. I look at stuff every now and then, but I think it's because of that that low level of friction in starting something social like that leads a lot of brands there, and it's easy to to get it done and and to keep to keep doing it. Whereas, ugh, what would we do a podcast about? What would we create a helpful video series for? How could we write something? Don't do people still care about email? Why would we send that? These are big hairy questions that aren't super fun to take apart and address. But I think you have to do that both for the Joe reason of you don't want to build your house on rented land and that changes, that goes away. You know, Spotify gets into even more trouble uh, or or whatever else. I've still got a podcast. You've got a podcast and it's it's on YouTube uh, as well, so it can it can morph into that. It can go there. There's, it's it's hierarchically thinking a much better approach to to start with the content. If you think of it uh, again as as foundational, and sometimes when I'm I'm feeling uh, really wonky, I I make the digital brand version of Maslow's hierarchy of needs because your brand's the foundation. From there, your home base is your website. So many of us have let weeds grow on our website. And what should be on that website, taking up a lot of the real estate, is all of the content that you're creating, the helpful stuff for your people. And then the email, social, and the paid stuff that you're doing, all the way up at the top. But like Maslow's hierarchy, you have to have that basic food and shelter first. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, Nick, I, I am tremendously grateful for your time and insights today. Um, right down to, to the hierarchy. I love that. Awesome. <laughs> um, I know you do a lot of speaking. You have some, some great books, uh, successful podcasts. So before we go, please tell us about them and how we can find them before we go. Well, as we alluded to, uh, again, uh, is that you can find everything uh, of mine now at nickwestergaard.com. used to send you to a website over here, a website over there. You were talking to Nick Westergaard, so all things Nick are there. I've got articles, like you mentioned, on the two questions to ask yourself. I've got uh, my books, Brand Now and Get Scrappy, as well as resources, as well as the on-brand podcast. So come find me there. Awesome. Awesome. Again, thanks, Nick. And, and thanks to the listeners. If uh, you want to hear the podcast, uh, it will also, or if you want to see Nick and I, the video of the podcast and others will also be available in the podcast section of contentmaster.com. Again, Nick, thanks a lot. Thank you, Lee. 
listening to the Business of Marketing podcast, a show brought to you by ContentMonster.com, the producer of B2B digital marketing content. Show notes can be found on ContentMonster.com as well as aleejudge.com. To continue the conversation, be sure to follow the podcast on your favorite podcast platform.